anymore Do anybody make real d- anymore? Bow in the presence of greatness Cause right now that has forsaken us You should be honored by my lateness Hand off his box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's said Hand off his box, a box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have half a mind To leave you, babe That means I have half a mind To stay Good evening, it's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture. I want to first thank Arbel for filling in for a couple of weeks for me. Thank you very much, and glad to be back. Well, something that's been in Ann Arbor for a very long time is celebrating its 40th anniversary, and we're going to take some time this evening to talk about that. Project Grow, I assume, started with very humble origins, uh, projects and and gardens always start with a little bit of dirt and they grow from there. And Project Grow, in its 40 years, has started a whole lot of projects since that time. So I'm here with Nelson Mead. Hello, Nelson. Hello. Nelson has uh, was a longtime member of Project Grow and one of the founders of the group, yes? Right. Yeah. And uh, Lucas DeGaia is here. He is uh, has been, how long have you been with Project Grow? I've been with Project Grow for three years now. And you do a lot of, uh, you're involved in quite a lot as far as Project Grow goes. Yes, yep. I've uh, joined, uh, in the last two years, I joined the board and now I'm the vice president of the board and uh, doing a lot of volunteer coordination as one of my specialties. So Project Grow has a special event this weekend that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show to celebrate the 40th anniversary. Uh, But first, a little rundown of what Project Grow is about. It all starts with community gardens that are available to people in the community. People sign up for a plot with Project Grow, and uh, from there grows to quite a lot of other activities. Uh, Lucas, can you give an example of another activity? Sure. Well, one of the main things that we really uh, focus on is education, and that's not just for our members, but for anyone in the community. A lot of the classes we do are out of the Leslie Science Center. Um, so that could involve uh, learning composting methods to beekeeping or dehydration. It's one of the classes we re- uh, recently did. There's a lot of science to it, huh? That you can <laughs> learn. Yeah. So Nelson, uh, Project Crow started in 1972. Can you talk a bit about how it began? Well, it, in uh, it actually started, although it wasn't called Project Grow, uh, in 1971. Oh, okay. Uh, I had just been elected to city council, and a constituent from Burns Park area called up and said that she and some of her friends in Burns Park wanted to find a place where they could garden. Burns Park was too had too many trees and too much shade, and mm. and you couldn't uh, garden successfully there. You and they wanted to have vegetable gardens. They called it, she called it a, a victory garden because during the Second World War, they were called victory gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and we, uh, we started with the Parks Department. We went to see George Hours, who was the director of the department, and uh, I don't think George wanted us to use any city 
land mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that was parks and uh, and so he directed us to look in the zoning code to see where public land was available and it was might be available to us and uh, we found a parcel that was called that was labeled PL public land okay and it turned out to be privately owned by that time the university had owned it and sold it to uh, a private developer but he was eager to let us use it until he sold it for a developer and so we had a garden there for 7 years before it was finally sold and developed as an industrial site interesting uh, and and then he he was allowing a farmer nearby to uh, to plow there and so he persuaded him to plow the plot for us wow. uh, for project uh, for uh, not project grow it wasn't project grow yet but what would become project grow what yeah would become project grow well th- there was a new a low-income housing project, a cooperative that was being developed along uh, Ellsworth Road. And uh, they had more land than they needed themselves, and so they went down and leafleted and said, would you like to join us? Hmm. And so there were people from this low-income housing project plus people from Burns Park, which is a pretty affluent area, gardening together, and it was a successful year. And uh, out of that, Susan Drake, the woman who initiated the whole thing, decided that we should do this citywide. Uh, you know, have a mixture of people. She she wasn't thinking about organic gardening. She she didn't want to demand organic. Uh, that's something that the group has decided subsequently, I think. But uh, she was afraid that that would turn off people who she just he want, she wanted this social gathering, and uh, gardening was a way of of uh, meeting your neighbors and so forth. Uh, and I was involved with most of what Susan did because uh, she would call on me to help and uh, and uh, then it, when the next year came the ecology center had gotten they had had a garden at on north campus for a while where the Gerald Ford library is now so okay <laughs> uh, the uh, and and they were anxious to have organic gardening, and they would come to the meetings. The board, well, it wasn't officially a board. It was just a gathering of people mm-hmm. who were interested in this. And Suzanne was uh, uh, objected to their insistence on organic gardening, and uh, and so, and I told her, you know, uh, you know, we're going to have to do. Uh, 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 to to organize this thing so that you can receive money, and uh, and I got a friend of mine, Bob Gunzel, who's the retired county administrator now. Recently, uh, Bob was an assistant city attorney at the time, and uh, I got Bob to draw up the incorporation papers to make Project Crow a a, a nonprofit corporation. 
it turns out that uh, Susan just wanted to call it Grow. Mm-hmm. It turned out mm-hmm. that pr- Grow was already used by some organization in Michigan, and so we tacked the name Project Grow. Okay. Uh, and hmm. uh, that's that's how it got its name. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Susan uh, found seven or eight different sites around the city. Uh, there was a, a, a site at, uh, I, I can't recite. Oh, that's okay. My, my memory is, <laughs> no I'm problem. Eight, 85 years old. <laughs> my memory isn't as good, if, but I can visualize okay. where they were. Sounds pretty good some to of me. them on yeah, church, <laughs> some, some on church properties, some, uh, we had a site on, on a, a, a property that was uh, a research institute but mm-hmm. they had a big lawn and and we persuaded them to uh, to permit us to have a garden there and uh, and they were scattered all over the city so people didn't have to cross town to garden if they were interested mm. and uh, uh, well at any rate uh, it was fairly successful the uh, and, and uh, Susan uh, was just a bundle of energy that first year, but she wore herself out. Mm. And then the next year, it was up to some of the rest of us to carry on. And uh, there was no paid staff. It was all volunteer. And, uh, and we eventually hired somebody to come and work, but it was just for the summer months. And then we had to learn all over again the next year how to do it. Ah. (laughs) And at some point, I got a friend of mine, uh, John Seeley, to uh, accept a post on the the board of directors. John became the the chair, and he said... what we have to do is to get a full-time person. Uh, I mean, we paid him a part-time salary, but he was on the payroll for the whole year. Mm-hmm. And we we interviewed a number of applicants, and we got a stellar fellow who just organized this thing so well that uh, that and he stayed for five or six years. Mm-hmm. Before he went off to uh, to Maryland, where he organized another gardening group. Well, one thing I think, and that, so what you're telling me about Project Grow, what would become Project Grow, sounds like there's a lot of activity just in the first couple of years, and a lot of some a lot of the questions that are faced today by people who are working on gardens and things, organic or not organic. Uh, do you get, you know, can you get the involvement of corporations or people with uh, private land? And a lot of those issues come up. And they did at the very beginning, it looks like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we, we, some, some land was owned by churches. Uh, some land was owned by private enterprise. Uh, uh, she was persuasive in persuading them <laughs> to let <laughs> us use the land. And... Uh, I mean, her husband was a member of the faculty at the university, and and she was a pretty bright person. Her her downfall was cigarette smoking, mm. but that was another story. Mm. <laughs> you know, I just want to add. Uh, I think the question today that we deal with is whether to tell or not to tell 
um, because of the idea of whether perennial agriculture um, is better for the environment than annual. And uh, it's interesting because it's the same the same kind of question. We don't want to turn people away, but we also want to you know move forward and kind of do what's best uh, you know in the long term. Yeah, you always want to involve as many people as possible. Uh, but you also want to set standards that you think are important. So I guess Mm -hmm. there's a tricky balance when you're doing that. Uh, If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Nelson Mead and Lucas DeGaia uh, about Project Grow, which uh, is officially 40 years years old this year, technically 41 kind of a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Incorporated 40 years ago, is that what you would say? Yes, incorporated 40 years ago, 1972. Okay. And... uh, it's older than our. I'm I'm a charter member of the county parks commission, which mm-hmm. was started the next year. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and so we're 39 years old, waiting on our 40. Older than the parks commission. That should wow. be our new slogan. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's that was quite a time, I think, when you had the People's Food Co-op had opened in 1971. Project Row incorporated in 1972, and a lot of a lot of activity in Ann Arbor around mm-hmm. uh, organic gardening, ecology, and those issues. Right, right. I'm I'm a member of the co-op. Okay. <laughs> so, oh wow, me okay. too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do much shopping there, unfortunately. I go to the farmers market. <laughs> oh, okay, another resource, which is another Ann Arbor resource as well. Well, I'm, we're going to take just a moment to listen to some music. Um, this fellow by the name of Paul McCartney released this album, as it turns out, in 1971. Ah. Um, <laughs> has a song called Eat at Home, which you can do uh, if you have your own garden. That's that's the connection <laughs> nice. I'm going to make there. So, I love uh, it. Was he one of the Beatles? Yes, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I think he had, he had, had some other groups, uh, some with wings and things, <laughs> something like that. I think he's one of those guys. We're going to hear Paul McCartney... And Linda McCartney from the album Ram and Eat at Home. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor.
Thank you, Paul McCartney. That was very nice of you. That is Eat at Home, a very good suggestion if you have your own garden. Paul McCartney recently helped refurbish a Motown piano that was in the Motown studios, and it recently made its debut at a New York concert. So thanks to Paul, we're going to have a refurbished piano at the Motown Museum. So that's nothing to do with the food, but it's food for thought. Uh, mm-hmm. This is WCBN, and... Uh, this is Pandora's Lunchbox. We're talking about Project Grow. And I should clarify about the event. That's if you're a Project Grow member or volunteer, you can find out about Project Grow's they have a special 40th anniversary mm-hmm. celebration for members. And uh, Project Grow, we've been talking to Nelson Mead and Lucas DeGia about that. Uh, what are some uh, of the other events, other things that are going on with Project Grow, Lucas? Sure. Well, I have to admit the one of our best events just happened. Uh, if you were at the Homegrown Festival on September 8th, one of our best things we do is has to do with heirloom tomatoes. So we actually had a tomato tasting at the uh, Homegrown Festival with almost uh, 40 varieties of tomatoes. And if you didn't get a chance to taste them, you could grow them yourself. We actually sell the seeds at the People's Food Co-op. You can also buy them on our website. And in May, we do a plant sale. So in front of the People's Food Co-op, you can buy starters for all different kinds of heirloom varieties. So we're always trying to pump getting people, um, oh, being aware of the different varieties of tomatoes and really uh, appreciating uh, seed saving, you know, because that's a way to preserve a lot of the unique varieties that are out there. Sure enough. And there's another really interesting project I saw on the website that happened this summer. Um, Keeping track of aphids and actually raise, oh. <laughs> r- raising aphids. I don't know if you actually put them on little leeches or not, but I'm just going <laughs> to give yeah, a little... I can s- talk about that, yeah. Oh, you, you, you were involved in that? Yeah. Oh, yep. Actually, good. yeah. We had... Um, so a prof- this was a student at the University of Michigan named uh, uh, Teresa, and uh, she's a PhD student in the School of Natural Resources, and she was studying the migration of pest species through... Um, through the urban garden environment. So what they would actually do is she placed uh, pea plants in different people's gardens, and she actually got out to all uh, 19 of our gardens and added some other ones um, from uh, maybe people's gardens in their backyards. And then she actually had volunteers, some Project Grow, some of her own, who were going out and picking the pea aphids off of the peas, bringing them back to the laboratory. And in the lab environment, they could actually see the predators of the aphids. Um, the so, predators on the aphids? The really, really tiny predators that were on the aphids? Yeah, like uh, well, like a fungus, perhaps. Oh, okay. And then the aphid would die in the lab, and then the fungus would grow in a dish. Or Also, there's apparently a, a wasp uh, that will lay eggs in the aphids, so they could actually hatch those wasps in the, in the, in the lab. And uh, I wish I could tell you what she found out, but it's a multi-year uh, project for her. I, I, I asked her what she found out and she just laughs at me actually. <laughs> it's going to be a while, but we're, we'll be there for her next year too. And she wants to keep, keep doing the research. <laughs> so there's information on the basic project at projectgrowgardens.org. That's correct. So you can yep. see what that's all about. Uh, Nelson, what are some of your thoughts as far as, um, as you were a member, are you, are you a member of Project Grow or? Not any longer. I mean, uh, I the deer wiped me out one year, oh. <laughs> and I that was rather a discouraging thing. Mm. Uh, after putting all that effort in, uh, they ate virtually everything. They didn't like tomatoes, oh. and they didn't like zucchini. But <laughs> 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 other than that, 
He left the tomatoes and the zucchini. So you can make a nice little Italian sauce of some kind, but <laughs> ate the but, rest. But the, the, I, I discovered that my peas were growing up, and I planted six rows of peas, and, and they were flourishing, and all of a sudden they started diminishing in size. Uh -oh. I couldn't figure out what that was, and then finally I saw the imprint, oh, the imprint of uh, deer feet in my garden, uh -oh. and uh, <laughs> I was the farthest west of the gardeners, mm. and uh, and the deer apparently were hanging out in a woods nearby, and I was their first encounter with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my garden. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody else who suffered such uh, <laughs> <laughs> such a severe. <laughs> and it just discouraged me. Uh, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years, and, mm -hmm. and to have most of my effort wiped out, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I decided I'd go to the farmer's market. For <laughs> there you <laughs> the go. <future. laughs> Good. A lot of people still gardening, and, and we can reap the bounty. Even even without having deer uh, coming after us in our in our food, <laughs> and um, it seems like with Project Grow you could probably get some good advice on gardening, couldn't you? Absolutely, you know. And there's there's a lot of resources in our community. Um, the Extension Service actually has a hotline that you can call. You can't call the Project Grow hotline, but if you want to email us, um, you know, we can always give the best give it the best advice we have. And a lot of the some of the board members are master gardeners, and we also bring in professionals from the community. Uh, some of the classes we've done have involved, uh, for example, uh, a vermiculture specialist uh, who's a, essentially a worm farmer named Jesse from Star Valley Farms, and he taught a class uh, about worm composting at home. So, you know, if, if you are doing some worm composting and you have questions, contact Project Grow. We'd get you in touch with Jesse. He'd be glad to talk to you. So it's just kind of knowing who in the community has the resources and then we you know like to make those connections uh i had a worm composting <laughs> thing in the basement for a long time my wife never really cottoned to it but, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, eventually i abandoned it but uh, it really worked i mean i'd feed them all sorts of things garbage from the kitchen table Mm -hmm. And they would devour it. I mean, and I, I finally, you know, I'd had have so many worms that I gave worms away to other people. It was uh, really quite an experience. But somehow my wife never cottoned to the idea of a, a worm farm in the basement. And uh, <laughs> I guess I can understand that. Yeah, but <laughs> whole bunch of worms in the basement. That it's very practical, and and it, it's amazing what nature can do. But there's still worms in the basement, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Project Grow, as we've talked about, there's a lot of things that have happened mm -hmm. in the summer and, and as the year now, as, as it gets a little cooler, some things are uh, starting to wind down a bit, probably still some tomatoes out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it won't be long, just a few months from now, when Project Grow, I believe, will be taking new applications for new gardens. Yep. The application season uh, starts on January 1st. So um, that's when you can start applying. We uh, do the applications online through the website, projectgrowgardens.org. If you would like a paper application, though, you can always uh, give us a call, and we can send you one. And, uh, and um, you know, first come, first serve. So if you want 
to get a plot uh, in a certain garden, definitely apply early. Okay. Well, uh, surprisingly, in a half an hour has already gone by. Wow. Um, <laughs> talking about Project Grow and its uh, 40th official year of incorporation uh, with a little extra year in there. Thank you, Nelson Mead. Uh, thank you. You were there from the beginning, and you've really given us some great insight into that. Oh, thank you very much thank for you. having me. Sure thing. And Lucas DeGia, thank you again for thank you. coming on the show and talking about that. Uh, Project Grow. You can find out more all about them at projectgrowgardens.org. Well, Arvulf is going to help us to face the music in just a moment. But before I go, uh, if you're listening to WCBN a lot, you may hear Tex on the uh, the Down Home Show every, on Saturdays. He's one of the many great hosts of the Down Home Show, Tex and the Two O'Clock Cowboy and those folks. Well, he had a dream the other night, and he shared it with several of us, and I thought I would share it with you because it's about food. He said, I dreamt that I was pulled over for further inspection by Canadian Customs. Instead of an official-looking office, I was in a plain room with a few beat-up chairs where nobody seemed to know what was going on. They took my suitcase but left my computer with me. When I booted it up, I got not the ordinary desktop but something that looked like the instrument panel of a spaceship. I took it outside to see if it got a better signal, if getting a better signal would correct this, but it didn't. When I went back in, the office was gone and tables were being set up with white tablecloths for dinner. <laughs> and this is Texas Dream. Thank you, Tex, for uh, allowing us to share that. Speaking of dinner, if you haven't had one, I hope you have a good one. Eat at home if you like. Get something from the garden. Find out about Project Grow again at projectgrowgardens.org. I've been Mike for a half hour. Thank you for listening. Arwolf will be here in just a moment, and this is dedicated to Mr. Arwolf Arf. This is John Otway, and speaking of growing things... This is his rendition of Green Green Grass of Home. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. The old hometown, it looks the same as I step down from the train. And there to greet me is my mama. And my papa Yes, they've all come to see me By the shade of that old oak tree And it was a good to touch The green, green grass of home Down the road I walk With a my sweet Mary Oh, her hair of gold and her lips like cherries and it was a good to touch the green, green grass of home. Then I awake and I look around me at these four grey walls that surround me and I realise, oh yeah, I was only dreaming. For there's a god and there's this saddle, Padre. Yeah. On and on, we're gonna walk at daybreak. And again, I'll touch the green, green grass of home. Yes, they've all come to see me down by the reaching, smiling sweetly, yeah, as they lay me neath the green, green grass of home. Yeah, I'm the green, green grass. 
Oh, that was invigorating. It's 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. Student-run experimental radio from the University of Michigan with lots of community involvement. The theory I'm operating under tonight, as usual, is that we've got a lot of energy stored up in the grooves of these old records, and I'd like to see what kind of a uh, an effect that energy has on your central nervous system. Let's start in 1929. Let's see what happens. Thank you. 